Welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Minds podcast. My name is Chris Chapman, and I am your host. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, this is a podcast dedicated to those who want to reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. Every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with the fully qualified guest, entrepreneur, content creator, or mover and shaker in their industry, and walk through their story of how they have gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Now, before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to reiterate my main goal, which is to impact over 1 million people by helping them reach a next level. So if you have not done this already, please take the time to subscribe to Next Level Minds on Apple Podcast. Share this episode with a family member, friend, or colleague. And if you're really feeling special, leave a review on the Apple Podcast app and let me know what you think. Also, huge thank you to everyone out there who has made reviews. Literally in in probably a week or two, I've gotten about 10 new podcast reviews. So for those out there that have been making reviews of the show, definitely appreciate that. Other than that, going into today's episode, wanted to introduce today's guest. I'm sitting down with Evan Samet, who uh, was the founder of Ticket Insider. And I say was because he was fortunate to actually sell his business at a very young age. His business was a ticket reselling company that definitely exploded the entertainment industry. Since then, he is the vice president of purchasing at Key Investment Group. So in today's episode, we're just going to sit down and really chat about a lot of lessons that he learned from starting his business, scaling his business, selling his business, and really the whole nine yards there. I'm super pumped to sit down with Evan. I know he's super passionate about what he does, and I'm confident he's going to bring that to the table today. Other than that, as we like to say here at Next Level Minds, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success. Evan, I really appreciate you taking the time to hop on the Next Level Minds podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, man, absolutely. How, uh, how's the day treating you so far? Everything's going well. Uh, we had our first snow today in uh, Washington, D.C. of the year. So, uh, <laughs> you know, taking out the shovels. But besides that, all's good. Yeah, yeah. Is that, you think that'll stick around for Christmas or not really? No, I'm thinking they already say it's supposed to rain later in the night or rain tomorrow. So hopefully that washes it away. Yeah. Most of it away. I would say you probably didn't have to go into the office today, but everyone's already working from home. So, <laughs> Yeah, my, my friend said that last night. He goes, I'm waiting for it to snow. And my, my other buddy goes, why? You know, we're all working from home anyway. It's not like you could text your boss that, That's funny. that you're not coming in. I think too, with like the kids in school, it's like not even exciting anymore because they're already doing the online virtual home learning type of thing. Yeah, they're they're already doing the virtual home, and now that they're home, the parents are probably gonna probably gonna go make them shovel. They're probably like they're probably <laughs> like yes, the, finally the one day it benefits me to have my kids home. Yeah, no, the parents are pumped up, but the kids are like, ah oh, man, I gotta do these chores now. <laughs> they're like, yeah, but my teacher's really making me stay online the whole day today. I'm not gonna really have time for that. Yep. No, that's funny. Um, well, Evan, before we like dive into uh, your story a little bit more, man, I would just love uh, if you could just give some highlights of things that you're pumped about going into uh, 2021. Live entertainment. That's yeah. that's number one. But first and foremost, 
all the shows I went to wanted to go to this summer uh, got postponed to next summer. Luke Bryan, Jason Aldean, Thomas Rhett, uh, big big country fan. Not only because I'm in the business, but the reason I got into the business is because I love live entertainment. So I'm excited for that to come back. I'm excited for New York Giant football to finally be live again. They're starting to actually win a couple games, so to go to some games next year. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm psyched. Hey, at least uh, you're not a, a Jets fan, so. No, that's <laughs> my my friends who are Jets fans root for them to lose just for the promise of Sam, uh, for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, I know that. You know, being a, being a Clemson guy, that probably uh, you probably don't even want to see him go to the Jets. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't at all. Um, but yeah, to your point about live entertainment, I, I'm excited as well. I mean, I, I bought some Jimmy Buffett tickets uh, in early 2020. It was supposed to happen in April. Now it's pushed to, I think, May or something of 2021. So uh, I'm pumped to flip the tickets I bought and actually go to the show. So. <laughs> Yeah, it, there's so much. There's so much out there. Everyone's really excited. There's so much pent up demand to start going to live entertainment, going to shows, going to games, going to comedy shows. And you know, one thing we learned is, as cool as it is to watch YouTube videos or virtual shows, it just doesn't have the same ring as the live entertainment. I mean, the lights, the crowd, the energy, the noise. You know, as as good as your speakers are, they can't match speakers in arenas or amphitheaters. Yeah, no, for sure. I think too, with like the people you're with, I think adds a lot of uh, good vibes to it as well. Yeah. And there's the whole overall experience. You know, I know my friends and I, when we go to a show, we sometimes we rent a party bus, Yeah, we get 15, 20 people, you know, we're all sitting together. We're playing in the, uh, in the parking lot before we bring subs. I mean, there's so much to going to an event mm. that is more than the event itself, which, you know, adds on adds on to the experience and adds on to really show why that the virtual will just, it's just not the same. Right. No. Yeah. I totally agree. I think, I think that collaboration and kind of like the, the Vince pre-show are super important. Yeah, exactly. And it's the, it's that, and then it's getting the videos and then bumping the music home on your car ride home (laughs) and then showing your friends the next day or posting an Instagram story or posting a lot a photo the next day. It's just, there, again, there's so much that goes on that's just diff- – sorry, there's so much that goes on besides that just two hours of entertainment that when we're finally allowed out, whenever that is, and when we're allowed to go to full shows at full capacity and full lights and all that stuff, it's it's going to be mayhem. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I'm one of those people that's got that pent-up demand right now, so totally agree with you on that. Um, but yeah, Evan, I know I, I touched on this when I was introducing you. I know you started uh, Ticket Inside and or Ticket Insider, and you know obviously sold it, and now you're VP of Purchasing um, for a successful company out of DC. I mean, I would love if you could just let the listeners know kind of your story, your background a little bit uh, before we dive into some more questions. Yeah, so I started Ticket Insider in 2013 when I was a sophomore at Quinnipiac University. Uh, really took a big risk and, and started a business. As, as I said earlier, I'm just, I'm really into live entertainment and going to games growing up. And my first real memory is going to see Bon Jovi when I was 15 years old. Nice. And, you know, just the way that that made me feel and the energy that I have still talking about it, whatever it is, 12 years later, is unmatched. So I know at that time I said, okay, I always wanted to start a business. And you know, a lesson that I learned 
kind of later on is take a risk if you're in college. Mm. Just do it because it's not going to come back and hurt you. If anything, if the business fails or the risk that you take doesn't work, you can at least show to recruiters or headhunters right out of school, hey, I have two years, three years work experience more than just the classroom experience. And you can kind of start tapping into connections. So even if my business didn't work and I had lost all this money and so on and so forth, if I was looking for a job right out of school, I could have tapped into those connections and said, hey, guys, you guys know me. You know my personality. We've been working together for the past two, three years. Maybe this business didn't work, but I'm happy. You guys know my work ethic. Let me come work for you type thing. And hopefully they would have said yes. So I start this business in college. I grow it. I actually get off to a much quicker success than probably most businesses do. And I end up taking some of it for granted. I stopped, to do, I stopped doing my homework. I start putting in the same times. Kind of, I would kind of equate it to buying a stock. You know, let's say you buy you know, two stocks right away and they both happen to go up 15%. And you're thinking, wow, the stock picking thing is pretty easy. Let me just right. buy any stock. That sounds good. You know, that's kind of how it worked with me and with tickets. And then the next two shows or three shows that I bought ended up being disasters. Mm. So that was my first real lesson that I learned was, you know, never take anything for granted. Always put in the same amount of same amount of homework. And even back then, you know, Howard Stern was a big idol of mine and still is. And he still prepares for every interview, you know, hours and hours and hours. And learning from him and learning from someone like the best, always be prepared, over prepared, really helped save the business and not go off a cliff. Mm. And then just uh, started gradually just growing the business. Every dollar that I was making, I was putting right back into the business. And I never took any outside capital, which was a blessing for me because it really made me work harder and make sure that every decision I was going to, or sorry, going to do was something that I was willing to put my own money behind. And if I wasn't willing to put my own money behind it, then it wasn't good enough. And I feel that if I took outside capital, I might've been a, a lot more loose with it. So I might've been able to grow, but you know, I might've had more sales, but the m- margins might've not been the same. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Cause you had more skin in the game. So you're obviously inclined to work harder there. Exactly. And sometimes like I see, you, you know, people take money from, from family mm-hmm. and well, you know, I was fortunate enough that had I asked my parents and I begged them, they would have given me, you know, a couple thousand dollars to start off. Being able to have mentors and being able to have someone who you can really ask advice for, but knowing that they don't have financial skin in the game, they're just looking to help you mm. is something that can't be bought, at least in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree. And so with Ticket Insider, that was just reselling popular concert tickets, correct? Yeah, that was, you know, it was really getting deals with uh, different vendors and promoters and working on sports too and inking season ticket deals with teams, mm-hmm. always looking for something that I thought was undervalued and trying to buy it while it's low. So, you know, a common misconception, at least in our business is, why don't you just buy tickets for the Golden State Warriors or Clemson football or Alabama football? Well, you've already maxed out. You know, Alabama and Clemson football, they're already as popular as they get. So 
when you're buying the ticket, you're already buying at a skyrocket price. Mm. You know, a better chance is, you know, I know you're a Clemson guy would be like buying tickets for the Gamecocks or something. You know, they're okay. They have some good games, some bad games. But maybe if you know they have a new coach coming in and they have recruits coming in that you know in two to three years, they're going to be much better. Mm. So if you can, in a sense, ink a deal and say, okay, let me buy tickets today, knowing I can lock in these seats, you know, for a little bit of time, late down the road, you're going to start seeing huge dividends. So is ticket sales or resales more like trading stocks kind of? Is that kind of a similar example? Honestly, it's a a perfect example. I mean, I look at, and the best thing for me is it hasn't really hindered my love of events, Mm. but I have to look at artists and sports teams like stocks. Are they overvalued? Are they undervalued? Are they properly valued? You know, for example, you know, a tour going on right now is Justin Bieber and Justin Bieber, everyone knows at least five to seven of his songs. So, you know, he needs to, to really grow and be able for you to see, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50% markups that you would need. You need to think that he has much more popularity in him. Or he needs to, you need to think that he has two, three, four number one radio songs that are going to open it, open him up to a new audience who might not already know him. And in my opinion, I have to listen, just keep listening to his music, listening to his music and say, do I believe he's going to exponentially get better, bigger? Because his ticket prices are already priced in. So a lot of it, just like the stocks, is kind of all about perception of the person, correct? Correct. And it's all about perception of the person. If you're looking at a Broadway show, all about perception of the show. If you're looking at a sports team, all about perception of the teams. And, you know, as I stated earlier, why don't you just buy Kansas City Chiefs tickets? Well, the Chiefs know that they could sell their tickets for whatever they want. So, you know, you're already late on, you know, in my opinion, buying tickets for the Chiefs would, you know, would be like buying Zoom stock today. You are, you know, you might already be late. Zoom has already, you know, risen in popularity. It might be better to buy a team you know, uh, like the Jets, they're, you know, they're 0-12. They might get Trevor Lawrence as the first pick. It's not priced in. You know, they don't have any demand today. So you buy tickets. Maybe you say, I'll buy tickets for three years if they allow that. You take a little bit of loss on year one. And then you hope by, you know, somewhere down the road that, you know, they'll help you turn a profit. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think a lot of it, like you mentioned, is looking at, at future trends. Um, which I think is kind of cool too. And, you know, I, I like looking at stock trends, but like, I mean, you're looking at, you know, cool artists and different sports teams. So you can actually enjoy yourself while you're looking at these trends. Yeah. I, you, you know, it's so funny. It's like, it's one of those things where, and I used to have people work for me and it's fine when your boss allows you to have Spotify up on the screen or allows you <laughs> to have the NFL standings up on the screen because, you know, you can kind of say, well, I'm looking at the projections for a team or I'm looking at their, you know, points for and points against to see if they're actually that good. Or, you know, I'm looking at, you know, I'm listening to something, you know, I'm listening to this song to see if they're good or I'm listening to this podcast to see if it's funny and see if this guy might go on the road or something. Yeah. So it's kind of cool when you, you know, you're able to use your screens for entertainment. Yeah. Uh, did you ever have anybody like try to call off like, Hey, I was, I was at work watching Sunday football too long. And I, you know, Monday's not working. <laughs> yeah. I was really, you know, like an NFL coach. I'm really just watching, uh, yeah. watching the film. But yeah, I used to, have, I used to have one guy who worked for me and, uh, you know, he was, he's awesome. And, you know, he, he really killed it and, you know, ended up going on and, you know, getting a, another job. But 
it's funny he would just you know always be listening to new music and like i'd always see him online just shifting songs shifting songs and he'd be like oh i'm listening to you know this to see if they you know they're going to be popular on the road but he used to play his music so loud through his headphones that i was able to hear he was listening to a band who you know hasn't been on the road in like two years oh my God. <laughs> so i knew i knew he was just making it up but uh, it's like kind of you know it's funny stuff like that where you know you're just able to, to laugh at it yeah no it makes sense it's cool um so you mentioned like you went to that bon jo- jovi show and i mean it was you're super pumped up and that's something you like still talk about to this day um so i know that's kind of what got you into the ticket side of things but i mean what got you were, were you always like entrepreneurial growing up and everything or where did that kind of stem from so I'm not sure if I was always entrepreneurial. I always loved to work. Mm. And, you know, growing up, I was an umpire. And I was a baseball umpire. And I remember one summer I umpired 60 games. And I wouldn't really say being an umpire was starting my own business because it wasn't. But I controlled my own hours. Mm. And I controlled the game. So if I said, okay, I was, I know that, and again, this is, you know, always looking back, hindsight 2020, I always wanted to be the home plate umpire. I never wanted to umpire the bases because I felt I wasn't in control of the game. Mm. Behind the plate, I always felt like I was in controlling the game and controlling the benches and, you know, moving the flow of the game. So I think I always had a work ethic that I wanted to be my own boss. I didn't, I wasn't, didn't do any paper deliveries. And you, you know, you always hear like Mark Cuban, you know, I did paper deliveries. You know, yeah. someone, you know, entrepreneurs, they sell trash bags. I never really started a business like that, but I used to give tennis lessons. Mm. So I always like to work for myself. And I always had a work ethic outside of the classroom. And I was never the best student, but it never, I never felt hindered or disturbed by that because I knew once I got out of the classroom, it wasn't like I was sitting around playing video games. I wanted to go work on something. Yeah. No, that, that work ethic, like you mentioned, so cool to see, um, you know, working for something, even if it's in high school, making $8 an hour and then actually like making that money yourself and being able to buy something, I think is just such a great feeling. Yeah. And again, when you, and I said this a little bit earlier, but if you, if you start something and you have a good work ethic that you can relay into a story to prove why you did that, like, I'm able to tell you why I was an umpire. If you looked at someone's resume and they said umpire, you wouldn't think, okay, I need to hire this person or that person's a can't-miss candidate. But if you then go into the story and say, hey, I was an umpire because I was able to control my own hours, I was able to get as many games as I want, which meant I was always able to work, I wanted to work my way up so I worked the top league so I could be with the best baseball players. You know, there's if you can get a job or start a business that gives you a story that you can share and promote. Like I'm, you know, in a sense, like I'm doing here right now, take that opportunity. Don't take something just because you think it, you know, it pays a lot of money. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I think like a lot of times when you're young, you just want to take the job that has the best paycheck. But I mean, you got to think about all those other factors. Like, hey, what story is this going to play? Who am I going to meet? Who am I going to impact? And I think that could honestly pay like better dividends down the road than just a slightly higher paycheck. Yeah. One lesson that that I learned from uh, my boss, you know, at Key Investment Group is time value of money and what 
money really is mm. in the sh- in the grand scheme of things in the big picture and small picture. So, you know, if someone's listening is like, okay, I'm going to take a job for $13 an hour. And, you know, depending on what age you are, you know, 13 to $15 an hour, if you're in high school or in early college is, you know, a pretty healthy paycheck. But then if you're that, op- if then if you have that opportunity to take an, an unpaid internship or start a mm-hmm. business that end up might costing you a little money, the ceiling is higher in that position than it is in the 13 to $15 position. So if you're saying, wow, you know, in the short term, I really might lose out on $5,000 or $10,000. And not to come off, you know, as in money is really not important because money is important. But in the long run, $5,000 isn't going to make or break you in that opportunity that you could take that's an unpaid internship or something that might develop your skills further, might skyrocket to you to make $30,000 more, 30, 40,000, 50,000, even, you know, just sky's the limit. So take an opportunity or take a position or start something that allows you to, you know, really skyrocket your paying what, sorry, excuse me, what you're able to make. Yeah, no, I love that point too. Cause I think a lot of people are unfortunately thinking short term. Um, I think like I read something the other day, you know, you are where you are right now because of decisions you made three to five years ago. So I think in those type of decisions, thinking about it of like, Hey, where could this lead me in five years? Like you mentioned, that could lead me an extra 30 K or an extra networking opportunity. So I think that's super important to keep in mind. Like you mentioned. Yeah. And never be afraid to, to start something. I always say too, everyone has time. Mm. Yeah. There's, and, and, you know, I don't want to say there's 24 hours in a day. You could work all 24 hours. Well, we know that's unreasonable. But everyone has a couple, an hour, two hours, three hours, you know, every so often to really put your time into something. So if you can devote your time to something, especially if it doesn't cost you money and all it costs you is time, if it goes wrong, you didn't lose anything. It's really not that big of a deal. Yeah. And to your point there, I mean, I think it's important to audit your time too. Just where is it actually going? Completely agree. You know, if you're missing out an hour of Netflix or uh, missing out on the second quarter of a regular season basketball game, you know, you're not losing that much. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you touched on this like earlier and you kind of touched on it just now about just, just taking risk. I mean, what advice would you have out there uh, to somebody who may be like a little, little scared to take a risk, whether it's starting their own business, making a career jump, um, just because I think risk and, and fear like that holds a lot of people back. My biggest advice for that would be when it's not going the way you originally planned, mm. stick with stick with your gut. You know, if you're going to take a risk on something because you truly believe that what you are risking is worth it. If you're building a product or starting a business and one or two people don't understand it, don't get down on yourself to where you need to quit. I had so many people when I was starting up in college and you know, mostly family friends saying, well, you know, this ticket thing looks like a good hobby, but it's really not going to amount to, to anything full time. And I had an internship opportunity my junior year of college at a financial firm, and I didn't take it to, to work on the business. Mm. And everyone thought I was, you know, stupid, crazy, you know, yeah. moronic, just saying, why would you give up? And this was a financial firm that everyone listening knows. Mm. And they would say, you know, why didn't you take it? This is such a good guaranteed position. And I had belief 
that live entertainment is the future. Mm. People being live, you know, everything right now that you do can be recorded. Live entertainment is the only thing that doesn't have that, that feel. Right. And I believe that I understood where social media was going and I knew I wasn't going to create an app, but I knew if someone posted a picture of themselves at a show or someone posted, you know, a video of themselves at a show, people would get the fear of missing out and need to go to that show or need to go to another show or need to, you know, join them the next time their friend goes to a show. And I truly had that belief and I was able to stick to my guns and it's the smartest thing I've ever done. Yeah. No, that's so cool that you were like, you just kind of like tuned out the noise that was happening to you and, and kept going towards your goal. Yeah. And you know, I hate to use, like, I don't like to use Uber success stories. I know Airbnb has been, you know, in the news a lot now. And, you know, yeah. you see early emails of, you know, people who turned down the seed rounding or the, the series A when Airbnb was looking to raise, you know, a couple million bucks. And, you know, there are so few businesses that are started like Airbnb. So I don't really want to, you know, compare a story to that. But even if you're starting a business that, you know, is going to make $5,000 a month, you know what? Who cares? Because maybe 5,000, maybe it turns into 10,000. Right. And if it's something you love to do, then you're going to bust, you're going to bust yourself and work harder than you would for a normal job. And you're going to enjoy yourself more. Yeah. And like, I think enjoying yourself more long-term is actually probably going to equal, equal higher income because you have more motivation. Yeah. Again, especially, you know, right now working from home and, you know, where we are in COVID, it's so hard to find motivation out there. I mean, you're, I know I haven't left my house in two days. Uh, you know, it's very, very difficult sometimes to find motivation just being in your house. And if you're working at a job where you really don't like what you're doing, it must be torture. At least if you have a job or you own a business, excuse me, that you look forward to waking up every day and start working on. I know there's countless nights where I go to bed dreaming about entertainment. Yeah. That's what I dream about. I dream about work. And some people think it's crazy and other people think it's, you know, I think it's admirable that I, that that's what I'm passionate about. So, you know, any, I think you can't put a price on caring about what you do. Mm. work. I like that. I like that. That's a big value add too. Like I think the listeners should implement, um, especially like you didn't even like you mentioned work from home. I mean, you, you kind of can't escape it if you don't like it, you know, you close your laptop and then you just go to the couch, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's, and, and luckily I live with a big group of friends and not in an apartment, you know, we have a pretty big house, but I know, you know, I have a couple buddies who, you know, are accountants. And again, as an accountant, you make a solid living, you'll always be, you'll always have a job. You'll always be able to put your roof on over your head, but they're miserable. Right. And I'm, I'm in a business right now that I think has been hurt more than restaurants. You know, everyone talks about restaurants, you know, being the most hurt business of the pandemic, but you know, you can still do takeout. You know, they still have in some areas, 25, 50% seating. So at least you can make some money. You know, we make our money on arenas and stadium shows and there's none of that going on, but I'm still passionate and eager to wake up every day and start planning for when shows do come back. What do we want to target? Because we know that there's going to be more demand than ever before. And we're ready to get ahead of that. 
And I work hard every single day knowing that, you know, there's not going to be another show for minimum three to four months. Mm. And that's on the very, very, you know, that's on the very, very optimistic side because that's the type of person I am. What, what keeps you going, I guess, then just loving what you do or. You know, I, I felt like we got knocked off a cliff Mm. and the worst part is at our company, I feel like we got knocked off a cliff that, you know, had nothing to do with us. It was Mm. not our fault. There was nothing we could do about it. And our best three months as a company ever was December, 2019, January, 2020 and February, 2020. We were just rolling streamline arrow straight up. And now here we are at the bottom of the cliff and there's nothing that I want more than to ride it out with my team at key key investments group and, you know, make it back to the top of the cliff. And every single day, even though the work is different, every single day we at least put in work that when we come back, you know, we'll better position ourselves to get back to where we believe is the top. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. Um, I, I read an article, I think it was on your LinkedIn page about, you mentioned like when you first started your business uh, in college, you know, you missed out on some parties and social events. Um, what, what was that like? Cause I, I think you also touched on it too. People like concerts because of the fear of missing out. Um, so I'm sure you had that. I mean, how'd you deal with that? Well, it was very interesting because I decided, and again, you know, looking back and being a 19 year old, I, I threw all my money that I had to, into concerts, which at the time was roughly around $6,000. So going to a party, going out, going out to a nice dinner, spending a hundred dollars or using that money to buy concert tickets. Yeah. You know, using that money to put it, you know, using that time, putting in a little extra work after, after hours. And I decided that I got more enjoyment from working than I did from certain social events. And if that's wrong, then so be it. But I knew that when I went out and I didn't truly want to be there and I knew I was spending more money than I really wanted to, or I had work that really needed to get done, I truly couldn't enjoy myself because my mind was somewhere else. Mm. Yeah. So, so yeah, it, it hurt a little bit and but I knew that at that time I was making the right decision or the decision that, you know, decision that ultimately just helped the business grow. Yeah. And like, that's a good point. I think it's important to be present in your situation and I'm sure it's not worth it to go, you know, spend a hundred bucks to go to a social event, but then you're just not there mentally the whole time. Yeah. And you know, there are certain ways that, you know, I know you enjoy hosting this podcast and we're talking about it before. And, you know, let's say, you know, we're recording this at night and you get a text, you know, let's say half an hour before we start recording. And you say, hey, you know, you want to go meet up for happy hour from we're recording at 6 p.m. You know, do you want to meet up at six o'clock at night? You know, part of you might want to go. But if you're mentally going to be thinking about this conversation and mentally thinking about making the podcast grow to where you want it to grow to. Then the decision is to stay home and, mm. and work on work on your craft. If you're looking to put more money into better sound technology, better equipment, you know, maybe reaching out and I don't know if this is a thing, but possibly paying a guest to come on the show. If you have the option of discretionary income between 
buying a couple drinks at a bar or buying a steak or getting that guest to growing your brand. If the answer is not growing your brand or growing your business, then you're not passionate enough, passionate enough about what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, I love that. I think that's like a thing that you can, people can do in their mind if they're struggling, like, should I go get the beer? Should I do this? And I think if you're passionate about what you do, um, then I think the decision is going to fall on that the whole time. Yeah. And, you know, and again, everyone's, and my advice is also stay off social media when you make those decisions because yeah. it, it definitely makes it definitely makes the decisions a little easier. But see if you know, see if there are other ways in your mind that you can compromise. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, I knew I know that you know at certain times I didn't want to go out and spend that much money. So to kind of make it up, you know, I would bring food in or I you know go to the store and get drinks versus you know which equated to. 75 cents a drink versus six dollars a drink yeah. or whatever whatever the math was and you know being able to able to have a release because having a release is important because if you overthink or overburn yourself out then you're going to end up doing more harm than good but be able to find different experiences that you can enjoy that might fit your budget and if you look long term i've been fortunate enough especially at a young age that I've been very successful, then I can now afford certain luxuries in life that I wasn't able to afford six, seven years ago. Right, right. And I think you just made a good point too about, again, thinking long-term, you know, this decision is going to compound effect down the road. Um, And also thinking, you know, if they're your true friends and you're missing out on a situation or social event, I think it's just being honest, like, hey man, you know, I got this business I'm doing, I need to stay in tonight to grow ABC. Yeah. And, you know, you never want to burn bridges as well. And, you know, and pick, pick and choose your events. You know, if it's your best friend's birthday party, then go to the event, you know, put work aside, come home and work when you get home or, you know, work late the night before. But if it's just another Thursday night out, then maybe grow your business, you know, pick and pick and choose selectively. And, And that even comes to the business world too, you know, pick and choose the clients that you work with, pick and choose you know, what's really going to help you because if you end up trying to do too much, same thing that almost happened to me, you try to do everything, you might end up losing it all. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Can you touch on that a little bit? Just doing too much or? Yeah. So I I think I stated, I think I touched on it a little bit earlier, but I just decided, okay, the best way to scale up my business is just buy more. And that wasn't the case. It wasn't buying more. It was buying more of the right things. Mm. And, you know, if you have a, if there's, you're looking at what's going, you know, being able to be purchased this week or today, and you don't find anything this day that you think is good value, you don't have to spend money today. You know, maybe save some money, sell off what, sell off some existing assets, which in my mind were tickets. So when something good really does get announced or something good does come across the table from a promoter or a venue has a deal that they want to pitch you, you're able to put more money behind that because you didn't blow money on something that, you know, you're going to have money out for a while. Mm. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Was that hard to like realize that at all for for that or... (laughs) I learned the lesson very quickly yeah. because, because again, because I, I hit on something early and tickets are different. You know, we talk about tickets being a lot like stocks, but if you buy a publicly traded, if you buy Amazon stock and you buy 
a share of Amazon stock. It has a value today. And tomorrow, you can sell it to someone. You know, it's, it's, always, you know, it's always liquid within 10 seconds. Right. Tickets, are, tickets are not that way. If no one's buying tickets for this, if an event does not have enough demand, if, you know, if you're thinking of something early and you're saying, okay, I need for this to become really good, I need to wait till this team gets good or, you know, and that might be six months away, you might need to hold on to your asset for six months. It doesn't have much value today. It doesn't have really any much more value than you paid for it. And, you know, you could be investing in the future, could have less value. So, you know, really selectively picking out where you want to spend your money. If you're in a clothing business, you know, the idea might not be to make 20 different t-shirts because maybe 80% of your sales come from the same four shirts. So don't spend all your money on 20, just buy the four that are selling great and keep working on selling those. And then you'll be able to save some of your money. And then when you have more money to spend on your next big idea or your next big product line, then, you know, there's where you can invest your money. If you, you know, there's so many different businesses that, sorry, that rely on you spending more money, just like this business in the ticket business where you have to spend the money for it before you, you know, before you see a large return, then, you know, think about selectively where you're spending money. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And, um, on, I guess on a funny note, I've had these dang Jimmy Buffett tickets for like a year and a half. So that's a good point about not being able to liquefy them. Yeah. And, and, you know, now, and the COVID we hope is never going to happen again, or there's an event that magnifies like this, but you right now have an asset that for probably at this very moment is not worth what you paid for it. So you need to wait in time to liquidate and get money back for that asset. Now, I don't, I don't want to, but let's say you spent for two tickets, $160 each per ticket, then that might be $300 where you could put to better use or to help grow something right. else. So in this business, one of the, the biggest barrier to entry into the ticket business is you have to have a lot of money to spend upfront yeah. or you have to grow very small and very organically like I did with my business at the beginning. And then the benefit of me joining Key Investment Group was we had some money behind us and we were able to grow at a larger scale. Mm, no, that's really cool. Um, and to your point too about like growing, I, I read something the other day about, I think 80% of the results are done by 20% of the people, products or services. I think that goes back to that point you made earlier as well. Yeah, I, there's so, I know, like for example, I go to, out to eat to a lot of restaurants and you look at a restaurant and they have a hundred different things on the menu if you go to a diner, but do people order 30% of the things yeah. on the diner or are they breaking even on those products? You know, if they have a dish, that's the best dish of the house that 50% of the people order, should they be spending more ingredients on that dish and pushing it out? Mm. You know, you could spend so much money on just random things and everyone thinks more is more, but sometimes more is less and sometimes less is more. Mm, that's a really good point. And um, you, you messaged me like a while back before we scheduled this, you messaged me on LinkedIn about how you kind of have like shifted during COVID and innovative. I mean, what's some ways that, that you've just been able to innovate in your business, especially with how the ticket industry is getting affected? The biggest way we've been able to pivot is 
we've had to look at ourselves as entertainment experts, mm. not ticketing experts, and say, okay, well, because the ticket business isn't what it used to be, and you know, this was looking back a couple months ago, what are what are things that are going to sell? Memorabilia. You know, everyone right now is looking at in-home collectibles and you know, just because you can't go out, so you're spending more money on in-the-home goods. And while we don't think that's going to be permanent, we think that it's a good bridge for us to to at least keep ourselves positive, keep ourselves cash flow positive. So when we do come back, and we've also had to understand that it's not the same for us, that it's just a lifeline for us, mm. you know, that we understand that we'll work, what we spent on a given day in tickets, that doesn't mean we're going to spend that, that much on a given day in memorabilia and hope to pull the same results because we found it just for us has, you know, we're still not as knowledgeable, but we've been able to be knowledgeable enough to pick and choose, you know, different athletes that we think are going to be popular that, you know, they're signed jerseys or their baseball cards or, you know, any Jersey cards or autographed guitars or things of that nature are going to grow because they're only going to get more and more popular. Yeah, I agree. And I'm sure you've seen this as well. I mean, look at some of these uh, beanie babies and baseball cards. I mean, dang, those are going for a lot. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing baseball or sorry, we're seeing basketball cards and especially now Michael Jordan when that, uh, oh, the last dance. Yeah. Like, Netflix, the Netflix, when the yeah, last, yeah. When the last dance came out, I mean, there's some Jordan cards going for a hundred thousand dollars easy for a card. And like, and I even look at it like at least, at least when you go to a show, you have, you know, entertainment. I don't know what a card gets you, but that mean that just might mean I'm not the ideal customer and that's fine. I, uh, when I saw like some of these cars just going for crazy prices, I like literally called my mom and I'm like, Hey, do you have my old sports card like binder? <laughs> and I like finally found it. And it's just a bunch of like, you know, remember the sports illustrated for kids magazines? Yes. yes it's just I a do. bunch of those like cheap cutout ones. I'm like, ah, oh, man. <laughs> well, it's so funny. I actually got the other call. I got a call from my dad. What was this? In like June or July. He's like, Hey, what's going on? And he's like, Hey, are you watching this last dance documentary? And I go, yeah, it's phenomenal. He goes, I think I have a Michael Jordan card in the basement. Like, can you see what it's worth? And I'm like, sure, I'll look it up. And he sends me a picture of the card, da-da-da. I reach out to a couple people. Ended up being like one of those cards and exactly like Sports Illustrated. Yeah. It was worth like, tw- like it was worth like 20 bucks or something or 30 bucks. Like it had no value. <laughs> but it was like the same thing. It's like, wow, maybe this memorabilia I had is actually worth something. Yeah. And you're seeing more and more businesses right now uh, that are investing in alternative assets. It seems to be a much grown business. I know there's this company that you can invest in wine and there's this other company uh, that you can invest in just Pokemon, just random collectibles, Yeezy shoes, this and that, this and that. And I guess that some people are gearing more and more toward collectibles that they're able to show off and then sell at a given time. Because I guess it's cooler to show to show off to your friends that I have a Michael Jer- a Michael Jordan autographed jersey card. Not that I own five five shares of Facebook. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point. I, like I saw something the other day. I saw like an Instagram ad. You could invest. Uh, it was kind of set up like a REIT, but it was for horses. So you could literally buy like 02 percent of a horse or something like that. So. Yeah, I was in. I was actually talking to uh, this guy who owns a wine investing company. Company is called Vinovest, mm. and they 
you you essentially give them some money up front and you know they pick certain bottles of wine that they think are going to grow in value and they say they have you know on average a 12% return now wine doesn't you know isn't my cup of tea but you know for other people it might be cool to have bottles of wine lying around and you show them off and then you eventually sell them and they grow in value so there are so many different ways that you can take your skills and take your knowledge on something and find a way to invest it because if you have it the chances are that there are other people out there that have the same love for a different subject or product. Yeah, I like that point you made there a lot because I think when people think of the word like in investing, they think it's just boring looking at um, like graphs and, you know, earnings per share and all that. But it's like, you know, there's different methods where, you know, if you're a guitar fanatic, I'm sure there's some company out there that invests in old replica guitars and you obviously can get money from that. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm actually, you know, I actually talked to a guy and, you know, who stages lightings for guitars and he you know he frames your guitars and he hangs them up and he you know especially dims them so when people come over you know they put the guitar kind of kind of probably along the same lines that you would see in a hard rock cafe Mm. and you know you see him in the hard rock cafe and you think you gotta have it so this is what this guy does for your guitar and then he you know shows it off kind of like staging a house you know people come in and they stage a house before you sell it this is staging memorabilia before you sell it yeah, that's really cool. What a great idea too, by the way. Um, so what was it like? I'd love if you could touch on just the details that you're comfortable with, like lessons you learned from from selling your first business. I'm sure that's some 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 things unpacked there. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. There there are a couple. You know, the first lesson I learned is being retired or not having anything to do isn't all that fun. <laughs> you know, I I in a sense you know, kind of closed up shop on it, you know, closed the deal up and closed it on a Friday and, you know, enjoyed the weekend with my friends. And I woke up Monday morning and I said, you know, what to do today? And then Tuesday, you know, what to do today? And then after a week, it just got really old. And, you know, everyone thinks selling out for, you know, the money is like, oh, I can, you know, retire and you know, it's, it's very unfortunate, uh, you know, to bring this up, but Tony, uh, I'm going to mispronounce his name, but Tony Heish or Hoosh from Zappos, mm. you know, he wrote about getting an offer from, he had a first company called Link Exchange, and he got an offer to sell it for $2 million. And he made a list of what he would do with the money if he got $2 million. And he, there was nothing on that list that he would do that he couldn't already do with what he had. Wow. So, you know, don't sell your business or don't think of getting out of it until you're, you know, eventually either, I don't want to say tired of it, or you think you can outgrow your business Mm. and your business is done growing. And that's just what happened with me. I had learned all I could by myself. I was, you know, the people I hired around me I purposely hired people that were unknowledgeable about the business because I didn't want them coming in and stealing, you know, my ideas and, you know, taking different things that I had developed and running with them. And eventually I felt like I was maxed out. So that's why I sold, but don't, don't go into a business, you know, and other people will tell you, 
and you'll learn in business school. And investors don't want to invest in a business that doesn't have an exit strategy because they're looking to make five to 10 times on their money. Right. You know, I kind of look at it the other way. If you're starting a business and you're already thinking about the day that you're going to leave the business, then maybe it's not something you should go into, or maybe it's something that, you know, you should go into real quick and, you know, and make a quick dollar, but it's, you know, it's not something that you're going to be the long-term future of. Yeah. That's a good point. I think it goes back to like being present in that situation that, that you're in, you know, if your mind year two is already thinking about selling, then I think like the work's going to kind of get affected there a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, so when I started this business, you know, I didn't even think of, I didn't, what, what does that mean selling it? Like I really didn't know. Yeah. And there were so many things that I look back on that because I, I was so sheltered, like for example, I only ever worked on one computer because I'd never really been to an office because I worked as an umpire and then I worked on this. So I just worked off my laptop. And then I, you know, I go work at a key investment group and they have, you know, a couple screens <laughs> and I go, I go, duh, like having more screens, obviously, like, you know, but it didn't, it never even crossed my mind. And that sounds so simple, but if you don't get out there, if you don't get out there, you don't share advice with people, you know, just because someone's in the same industry or trying to do something that you're trying to do. It doesn't mean you guys can't help each other. And I think I was so scared to share with other people what I was doing that I never really took the time to get help from someone. Yeah. And who knows that I got help from someone it could have grown bigger than it, it was. Do, yeah. Do, what do you think it would have been like if you, if you kind of did go out more and get help? Have you ever thought about that or? You know what? <laughs> For like a second, because I'm so happy where I am right yeah, now with the investment group point. and we're, we were, we're doing so well as a company and that I, I don't try to think about that way, but, you know, I think of some, you know, I think of someone like yourself, for example, who, who hosts a podcast and, you know, you're really good at it. And, you know, let's say you have a couple of secrets that you do that, you know, maybe to the guests that you don't know, you know, you could, you should be talking to other podcasters and not look at them as competition, but saying, Oh, what's this one tip that I could pick up from someone that can help my show mm. and you know kind of you know kind of share tips there are so many people out in the world there are so many different people that you could talk to there's so many different listeners that there's so much advice to be gained out there that you know people should be working together and trying to help each other out yeah i like that a lot I, I, there's like this common saying out there that's you know rising tide all, all the ships rise together i, I may be butchering that a little bit but. <laughs> yeah you know I, I, I get, I get exactly where you're going with that. And, you know, just even throwing an idea by someone and having someone give you advice and saying that that idea is not good or they don't think is good is the best advice you can get. And that's, I'm not necessarily going, Oh, you have to fail. But if someone tells you an idea is not good, then you go, Oh, perfect. They can tell you, they can tell you when an idea is good. You know, if you listen to someone and every single person who, you know, you interview, they say, this is the best interview I ever heard. This is the best interview I ever heard. Then you're kind of looking at them and you go, is it, are you, are you my biggest fan? If someone, if someone listens to your shows and they say, Hey, like, I really don't think they're that good. Or, Hey, I don't think, you know, they're long enough. Or I think you you don't ask good questions. And I'm not saying that at all, (laughs) but if someone, if someone gives you that advice, then you go, okay, you can maybe talk to other people in the business and say, 
hey, like, I, I really want to pick your brain for a second. Like, would you mind, you know, hopping on a phone for five to 10 minutes? And one thing I learned is everyone likes to talk about themselves. So, so you'll always be willing to give it, always be willing to get advice. Yeah. That's such a, that's such a good point there. I think I, I made a LinkedIn post about this the other day about like, Hey, don't be afraid to ask for help when you're first starting out. Yeah. And you should, because, and I'm not saying, you know, necessarily to reach out to people who, you know, if you're selling sodas, you know, don't necessarily reach out to the person who's selling sodas down the street from you. Maybe reach out to someone if you're selling a product, maybe reach out to someone who's in another state. You know, LinkedIn is such a powerful tool, as, as you said about posting there. You know, probably, you know, everyone who's in the business world for the most part has LinkedIn. Right. So, you know, go research people in, you know, research somewhere you want to be and say, hey, I'm just starting up. I have a couple of questions. Do you mind if I pick your brain for five or 10 minutes? And I'm sure if you message enough people, you know, you'll be able to get great advice. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And like each person's going to give you some different kind of value add that you can say, oh, he said this, I'm going to do this. Or he said this, I'm going to do this. So Exactly. You're exactly right. Yeah, no, most definitely. Um, well, Evan, what, what would you say? I always like to ask this kind of inner question here. Um, what would you say, you know, your one word to really just, just to describe the success that you've had in life so far? I would say it's discipline. Nice. And and it's very funny because as a kid, I was the least disciplined person <laughs> there was. And, you know, I would start a routine and end it. I would, you know, find a hobby for a week and, you know, be all about it for a week. And then the next week, pretend like I didn't even exist. But I was always disciplined in what I wanted to accomplish. And I'm disciplined as an employee. Mm. I'm disciplined as, an, as a business owner. And being disciplined about what you do you know, setting a schedule for yourself, especially now when you're working from home and you don't have that supervision and there's going to be more and more remote work than ever before. And I think that's a trend that's here to say, to stay, stay disciplined. It's the most crucial part. Really put your heart into what you do. Yeah. I love that. It's funny too. How you mentioned you weren't disciplined uh, as a kid and now you are. Yeah. I mean, I was the lead, honestly, and I don't want to, you know, knock on myself, but yeah, I would, you know, I would be into that. I would be into this for three days. I'd be into this for two months and I would just give it up. But I was always disciplined about work. And especially yeah. when I started Ticket Insider, I was always disciplined about what I was passionate about. And that's just something that taught me. And I've, I've always made sure to stay disciplined. Yeah. And, you know, one more thing. When I, I used to work, when I started, when I was running the business and I moved, I uh, rented spot in a WeWork mm. and I would get to the office every day at 8 a.m. And people would ask me, you know, why do you have to live? Why are you going to the office at 8 a.m.? You're your own boss. You know, there's like no one. And a lot of people who would work for me, I would, you know, call them and they weren't in the office. Like, why are you going to the office at 8 a.m.? What's the difference? And because I felt like if I broke the discipline and broke the routine, mm that, you know, I would never want to go back at 8am again. So just again, always being disciplined is the most important thing. Yeah, no, I love it. I'm, I'm such a routine guy myself, man. I think that so important, especially if you're working from home man. I mean, don't fall into the, to the laziness trap, which can definitely be so easy. It, it's so easy when, when, when people aren't, and it's weird. It's not even saying like people who are your boss or work for you, like when there's not someone creeping over your shoulder, like if you're the boss at work 
you know, you're, you're not going to want to be on Instagram in front of everyone. Right. But if, you know, if it's your tier and no one's really looking over your shoulder, then it's much easier to just, you know, kind of sneak a couple of peeks. But still always make sure you're staying disciplined because it's, it's crucial. Yeah. And I think that goes back to just the importance of ownership, like taking confidence in both your successes and your failures out there with your discipline. Exactly. You've hit it right on the head. Yeah. I love that. Well, Evan, where, uh, where can people connect with you? Um, just learn more about you. So the best way is, is just to reach out to me on, on LinkedIn. First name, Evan, E-V-A-N, last name, Samet, S-A-M-E-T, uh, with any related questions or comments or anything you want to talk. I, I check it you know, pretty frequently. So definitely reach out. Nice. Sounds good, Evan. Well, hey, man, I really uh, appreciate your time. And uh, thanks again for hopping on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Well, that's it, guys. Thanks again for taking the time to tune into this week's episode of Next Level Minds. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and share this episode. Other than that, as we like to say here at Next Level Minds, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success.